Welcome to the addendum, a thing added. On this podcast, Pastor Eric Williams will add to, clarify, and supplement the most recent teachings at Fellowship Renewed Church. Welcome everybody to this week's episode of the addendum podcast. Very happy to be here with you, and I hope your week's off to a great start. Thought we'd take some time today and maybe digest together uh, what we've been talking about on Sunday mornings, and uh, we're dealing with this situation right now in First Corinthians, and uh, in the text it says that in this church there a certain situation has come up where a man has his father's wife, and we're learning what Paul then said to do with this person, and not only what he said to do with this person, how to treat this person, but we're understanding that there is a deep theology involved in this situation. And this situation then becomes um, kind of this example situation to then go and apply to many other concepts in the church. And one of them, one of the big categories of discussion here is sexual immorality. And so this past Sunday, we took kind of a a deep dive, I might say, into this idea of sexual immorality. And in order to do that, we looked at some of Paul's thoughts in another location and that was in Romans chapter 1. So we went to Romans chapter 1, and we spent a pretty good deal of time in Romans 1, working through verses 18 through 28. And as we did that, we saw that there is this, this type of progression that has happened. And the progression is, is not positive. It's not a good progression but it's a it's a trajectory that that humanity is set on due to their hardness of hearts in rejecting God as God and even though God has put himself on display in his creation humanity has then seen that and in one sense acknowledged it but in a in a very significant sense not acknowledge God as God although it's there and so Everyone is without excuse, but uh, we have failed to see God as God. And, and in turn, God then does something. And, and three times in that text, and that is in Romans 1, 18 through 28, three times in that text, we see that God gives those people, that is rebellious, sinful people who have not come to Christ in faith, he gives gives them over to something. And the better we can understand God giving the people over to something, the better we're going to understand this idea of of sexual immorality because we see that when God gives over, he he directly impacts uh, through the sin of humanity uh, what is directly impacted then is human sexuality. And so we focused on a couple of words in particular and uh, presented a couple of of Greek words. And the first one we talked about was porneia, which is sexual immorality. So that's really what we wanted to understand. 
this issue in First Corinthians is about sexual immorality and the sexual immoral, sexually immoral person and what you're to do with that person. And so to better grasp that reality, we want to ask, well, what is sexual immorality in general? And so when we look at sexual immorality in general, we look at Paul's words located in Romans 1, and we understand really the depth of, of depravity concerning sexual immorality, how it comes to be, why it has come to be, and ultimately we can apply that to how it's so pervasive in our society today. I hope all that came through. Uh, so I, I wanted to maybe just look at, uh, maybe rehash is the better word, some of these ideas we looked at together. So we see in verses 18 through 23 of Romans 1 what mankind does in, um, in turn when God reveals himself and what does mankind do? Uh, suppresses the truth in unrighteousness. Uh, their thoughts are futile, hearts are darkened, uh, worship the creation rather than the creator. Uh, but then, then what happens? Because of this, God gives them up in the lust of their heart to impurity. And so we talked about this word, lusts. What is that? And that was the Greek word, epithumia. And what this word means is the passions and cravings, okay? Desires. And uh, as we talked about, not all cravings are bad cravings. We crave food, and we crave in a in in its in its pure sense these sexual desires. That craving in itself is not a sinful craving, just like a craving for food is not a sinful craving. But what happens here in the progression of depravity is that God gives up those cravings inside of us to impurity so that the things that we crave are are impure things that we crave now by the grace of god not everything that we crave is sinful or as sinful as it could be but the idea is that our cravings inside have been given over to impurity so we have a problem and then in verses 26 and 27 it, it doesn't stop there for this same reason that we were given up in our cravings, God also gives up humanity to dishonorable passions. And so this is the next step. And that word passions is pathos in Greek that is related to suffering. And that it's such a strong urge or desire uh, within us, that strong physical desire specifically, that it's it's almost a an experience of suffering that this thing is happening inside of us. And what does God give us over to? Dishonorable passions. So it's not that we just have strong desires, but that we have strong desires that are dishonorable, not honorable. And so God gives us over. And the giving over, it, it in our minds, it should help us to see that God was restraining this thing. And when God moves his hand of restraint, we just go and do what we want to do in our sin. And that's what happens. It's not that God forces. That's, I think that should be made clear, right? What we're not saying is that God forces our passions to be sinful. That, that would be an incorrect way of understanding that. God does not force our cravings to be sinful. That would be an incorrect way of understanding that as well. God is not forcing us to sin, but instead 
We are simply being hit. The, the hand of restraint is no longer upon us. And now we are going kind of headlong into the type of sin that we want to go into. And so we're kind of just going where we want to go. And, and God does not restrain that. And he gives us over to those cravings and desires to do what is shameful. Okay, so that's what we see happen there in verses 26 and 27. Additionally, God gives us up. This is the third thing, the, the, the giving up, the handing over. God gives us up to a debased mind. And this is now in the flow of things. We have these cravings, and the cravings then turn into these longings and the desires to, to actually grab hold of the things that we crave. And then the debased mind does not even filter that what we're craving and longing to grab hold of is wrong or is sinful or is against God, is impure. And so what happens? Because there's no filter, because there's no restraint, what do we do? We actually do it. We grab hold of it. And uh, in not seeing that God is God and acknowledging for him for who he is, we don't have the mind to say, God is God, he is pure, he is holy. We are to then give him worship and praise for who he is. We are to be a pure people because he is pure. Uh, No, none of that exists. We have a useless mind, and that useless mind says, do what you want to do. There is no God. Or the God that is God is a God of your own creation. And so uh, we just do these things. And... Where is God to be found in that? And that's when we brought up the idea of common grace. And I think that's very important. Common grace is the grace of God given to humanity in a common sense. There is special grace, the grace given to those who come into salvation in Christ Jesus. But there is a common sense of grace where God sends the rain on both the just and the unjust, right? Rain being good, not bad, uh, because things grow with rain. But, uh, when God sends these things, it is his grace. He does not, he, he is not under any constraint to do so, but he does send these things. And, and he is uh, not to be blamed when he does not send these things, when he does not give his grace, but he does give his grace. And when he simply removes his grace and his hand of restraint, then sinners are going to sin. And that's how it works. And so we go into our sin. Okay, so in this situation, the hand of restraint is being loosed on the actual mind itself to not restrain. Okay, so this is this is the trajectory that it goes down. And there were a few passages uh, yesterday that I did not read, and I'd like to just read those. They're they're one verse each, but they they further push forward this idea. Okay, so I I made this summary statement. For those who have the Spirit of God at work in them, these sinful cravings, passions, and actions can no longer remain active in us. They should not be a part of us. But we have both the mandate and the ability to put these things to death. So although sinful humanity was sent on this trajectory, there's nothing they could do about it. God gave them over to these things. But we as believers, that is not the trajectory that we're on. It it has been broken, and we are changed. 
we are brought from that darkness, that place of darkness, and we are brought to a place of light in the kingdom of God. And now we have the spirit of God dwelling in us. And so we are no longer captive to do those things, but instead we're actually called to put those things, those very things that are mentioned in Romans 1, we're called to put to death. So listen to these passages. Galatians 5.24. Those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. And passions, of course, being pathos, desires, epithumia. So those who belong to Christ have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. Those very things that we were given over to. We've put them to death. We've killed them. Ephesians 2.3, among whom we all once lived in the passions of our flesh, epithumia, carrying out the desires of the body and the mind, and we were by nature children of wrath like the rest of mankind. So there we sat. We were children of wrath, just doing what sinners do, giving ourselves over to a debased mind and to our passions and pleasures, but we once lived in the passions of our flesh. We were by nature children of wrath, but that's not us anymore. Titus 3.3, for we ourselves were once foolish, disobedient, led astray, slaves to various passions, epithumia, and pleasures, passing our days in malice and envy, hated by others and hating one another. That was once us, but it's not us anymore. 1 Peter 1.14, as obedient children do not be conformed to the passions of your former ignorance. There's the direct call for obedience here, right? And then 1 Peter 2.11. Beloved, I urge you as sojourners and exiles to abstain from the passions of the flesh, which wage war against your soul. It is a war, isn't it? It is a war that's happening inside of us, and we have our call to action. This was part of what's happening on the inside, these cravings and these passions and these desires, they want to overwhelm us. But just like what's happening in 1 Corinthians, this person very clearly let the passions and cravings overwhelmed them and they didn't have the mind to stop it and say no. And they went right ahead with it. And the church was not doing what the church should do in condemning these things, but rather they were allowing these things to happen. And so Paul was saying, here's what you need to do with this guy who has done these particular acts. He needs to be put out from among you. Be a lump of dough without leaven. Cleanse out the leaven that you might be a pure lump that you might be pure and holy. God desires a holy church. So how does this have impact on the individual? Just wanted to touch on this really as we're just kind of bringing these ideas to a close for today. But I wanted to make a, a personal, practical, individualized application for this. Just something for you to be thinking about today. But because we've been focusing so much on the corporate application, just think about this. This is 1 Corinthians 15, 33 through 34. And I'll read it and make a few comments. Do not be deceived. Bad company ruins good morals. Wake up from your drunken stupor, as is right, and do not go on sinning. For some have no knowledge of God, and I say this to your shame. Okay, so 
while we cannot go out of the world and lose all association with the world, we talked about that on Sunday, we need to be very careful that as we are pursuing purity, that we need to surround ourselves more and more with faithful believers who are desiring to live in holiness just like we are. We want to live holy lives. We want to understand things the way God has said. And so we want to pursue this together. And so I just, I want to urge you today. I just want you to consider today your influences. What are the things that surround you? The things that you surround yourself with, the, the things that you're hearing and consuming, are they telling you the things of God? Are they telling you about what is pure, what is right, what is holy? Are they leading you to holiness? Or are your personal influences and the people you're around, are they not confirming those things to you because they should? And as we read here in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, bad company ruins good morals. Don't be deceived. The company you keep matters. So keep thinking about these things. Uh, There's so much for the impact of our corporate environment, but there's also, there's so much, just a deep well of personal application here. So we need to think through these things, pray through these things together. Why? God desires and enables a holy, a sanctified church. And that's who we want to be. Thank you for joining us on the Addendum Podcast. For more information about Fellowship Renew Church, visit frcsparta.com. Please join us for next week's episode.